reflecting to all of creation that this is what God is like. That how we love can be like how God loves, right? That that is an invitation. But also remember that what he said is that above all else, God always respects our freedom. So what he offered to Adam and Eve was this invitation to choose to love. So remember in the beginning, right, the serpent comes along and he tempts them. And what does he say? I'm paraphrasing that he doesn't say this, but he's like, if God really loved you, if he really loved you, then he would let you have this fruit of this tree, right? Whatever the fruit is. We also talk about our own lives. We hear that temptation every day, right? It's not like Adam and Eve were back in the day. Oh, we don't have any connection to them. Some of you have heard things like, if God really loved you, then your family wouldn't be so broken. If God really loved you, then that guy would pay more attention to you. If God really loved you, then this bad thing wouldn't happen to you, right? We hear that often, am I right? Yes? Okay, yes. The reality, though, is that that is a temptation for us to doubt, right? To fail to trust in the providence of our Father. Because first and foremost, what we are as children. So what Adam and Eve were tempted with was this doubt of the Father's love and providence. What each of us is tempted with, I would say quite often, especially in the area of our vocation, whether we are before it or in it, right? Is is God really going to provide for me? Right? Does God really want me to be happy? Okay? Before the fall, we can so clearly see him and feel him and know him and we walked with God in the garden. But once that fall took place, which was a free choice on our, on our parts, right, to go against God, um, we can't see him and hear him as clearly, can we? I mean, can you? It's a struggle, right? The struggle's real, yeah. So what happened, though, was the fall the end of the story. No, what we talked about is that God took Christ into the world, right? Through the gift of the incarnation, Christ taking on the flesh, human flesh, he took on every single part of us, both the good and the bad, right? But that even after this life, this is not the end of the story. Right? There's a quote from St. Therese that was coming up in the past week for me. And she talks about how this is our ship, not our home. Right? This place and this life that we are living, y'all, I don't know if you're fully satisfied, but I'm not. Right? And you're not supposed to be because you were made for heaven. This life, this place, this earth, everything we're living, this is our ship, not our home. But it is still very good. This is the invitation. This is the bridge that we walk, the ship that we journey on as we're trying to reach our homeland. And in the homeland, it's not only going to be similar to even better than the name, they're not the beginning. Because not only will we be able to be fully with the presence of God, but the same God that took on our human flesh will be able to see him and touch him. And here's a little spoiler alert. A part of the journey, right, the gifts of theology of the body, is it's not something new, it's just the gospel. But what it's trying to bring into our lives is this reality. Is that it's not that we're not going to be able to see or to touch or to experience God until heaven. It's that he has given us something that we can take into ourselves, that we can see and taste and touch and feel. What do we call that? The Eucharist, right? Which we also call the body of Christ. Oh, man, it's like the body is really important. Yes, that is why John Paul II wrote theology of the body. Okay? So, I'm going to get into some practical things toward the end. But first, before we go there, in case you don't think the culture is that messed up, I'm going to illustrate for you a few things um, that are a little messed up in the culture as a result of the fall and our human. 
all these things have to do with the human body. Remember that we are what? We are both body and soul, right? So whatever you do with your body affects your soul. Whatever you do with your soul affects your body. What about the gift of our human bodies? Why is it so important? We said that the gift of our body is such that it is the most precious gift that we can offer to another, right? So how are you going to express yourself to another person if you don't have a body? Right? It doesn't make any sense. You don't know that. That's weird, right? You can't imagine it. That's okay. Because you should be able to. You don't know what that's like. We have been given the gift of a body. It's the most tangible thing that we have. From the moment of your conception up to your death, what is the one thing that you have in your ownership that is yours, right? That is only and all yours that you always have. The gift of your body. And your body speaks a language, right? Now, there are things within our culture such as um, in vitro fertilization. What is in vitro fertilization, right? It's when we create life, right, outside of the womb and do it in a petri dish in the lab, right? Can we, do we have the potential to do this? Yes. Should we? We would argue no. What about surrogacy? Do you know what surrogate motherhood is, right? It's when a woman carries a child that's not her own, bring the child to you in the lab and then put it in her. Now, can we see why people would have a desire for children? Yes. Is that a good desire? Yes. But in how we are accomplishing and even creating the gift of another person's body, are we doing it within the norms and the responsibility of what we would call love? Right? Authentic love. Not just what I feel is good for me, but what is good for me, what is good for my spouse, what is good for the potential child. Right? Other things. Um, if you've noticed the culture, right? Any movies you've watched lately? Like they probably, there's some crazy stuff out there, right? What about pornography? That addiction is skyrocketing right now. And it's very difficult because there are screens everywhere. Right? It's very, very difficult. And there's also shame attached to talking about that. That is not just a man's problem. There are women that struggle with pornography. And if you do, this does not make you a horrible person. You know what that means? That means you're not your shit. You're not home yet. And you're just trying to figure out how to get there. Right? And every single one of us has our stuff. Y'all, I don't give these socks because like, I have it all figured out. Trust me. This whole past week, I'm like, oh, Lord, why did you get me to do this? Like, it's not because I have it all figured out. I'm on the journey with you, right? I don't have all the answers. But I do have what I would argue are the ways in which we can reach home. And trust me when I say that every single desire that you have for joy, for union, for excitement, for adventure, everything, all of that will be answered in full completion when we get home. Right? And I can't wait to see all of you there. But how do we get there? Right? That's the question that we're talking about tonight. So I'm going to quote a lot of scripture. Um, but first, I'm going to talk to you about John 10 10. So Jesus is very clear with us. Believe it or not, God actually does speak clearly. He just doesn't always do it in the way that we want or the time we have But this is why it's important to study scripture, right? The word of God is living and effective. It says it is sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing to the vision of soul and marrow, right? Like, if this is a sword that pierces through everything else, it reveals the thoughts and intentions of the heart, right? That's powerful. It also says in Scripture that no word goes forth from the mouth of God without accomplishing the purpose for which it was said. Hey, y'all, focus. What is the best way, outside of the sacraments, that you can be exercising prayer? It's to learn or converse with the Word of God. Okay, two days ago, literally, I was there for two weeks. Cool, I know. But the reality is that I'm walking around this country, there's a lot of people speaking, a 
right? If you are trying to figure out what to do with your life, I'm telling you, you have a piece of the answer. Come to know the language of God. If you want to know how God speaks, study his word. If you study his word, you become more and more attuned with it. It becomes more and more your own heart, more and more the beating of your own heart, that in this chaotic crowd of life that you live in, when sirens are going past and people are yelling, it's like you're at a loud party. Even at a loud party, you can still hear the voice of God in the silence of your heart. And you recognize it because you've heard it before, because it's become so familiar to you. And you know that it's his because you recognize it as the voice of your father who's calling you home. Right? Your father who's calling you home. So in John 10, 10, Jesus is very clear. He says, he says the thief comes in the night, he's very clear, to steal and to kill and to destroy. In this journey of life, have any of you ever felt at all like you were maybe under attack? Like maybe your joy was being stolen? Or maybe you felt like you were being destroyed? Like you just felt so overwhelmed you didn't know how to handle it? Has anyone ever felt that before? Okay, where do you think that comes from? He says, the thief comes in the night to steal, to kill, and destroy. In the very next statement, he says, I came that they might have life and have it in abundance. I love that word, abundance. Like overflowing on more than you could ever before or imagine. The Lord desires to give you life in abundance. What the world is offering you are very glittery things, but the satisfaction lasts for literally three seconds. I love gelato. I will eat it every day if I can. When she was holding me, I was a little weird, couldn't I do that? But if I could, I would eat it all the time. Am I ever going to be fully satisfied with gelato? I'm using a dumb example. You all can tell. No, right? Jesus did not, there's not a theology of gelato, right? There's a theology of the body. So why was that picked? That was picked because God is inviting us to this reality that our happiness is not apart from us. Our happiness is within us. Ladies and gentlemen, if there's anything you remember from this series, really, you can forget everything else I've said at the time. I want you to remember that God the Father desires to live so clearly and in reality within you, within your very soul, within your heart of hearts, that it does not matter where you are in the world, but that if he is at home within you, if he is abiding within you, then you are always home. Then you are on the ship and your heart is this compass and you know which direction you're going, even when the storms come, right? Even when the storms come. So, that is what he says, again in scripture, right? I'm not making this up, I'll Jesus it. He's like, look, like abide in me, right? I'm the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I am him, right? That's what he's saying. Like, that's what he's promising this abundant life. But he's saying, apart from me, you know what he says we can do apart from him? Yes. What can we do? Some cool things? No, we do nothing. We can do nothing. No good thing, right? So, I want to invite you, right, if we're going to look at this life through this lens of theology of the body, what it does not mean is that I have the capacity to transport us to the beginning before the fall. That'd be fun, but not really, because then Jesus would have come and taken on our flesh, right? What we're looking for is heaven. But how can we live in a way that reminds us of before the fall, but still, right, in reality that the fall has happened, and we have weaknesses, and we struggle with temptation, and we're inclined to sin, right? The answer is this, prayer and the sacrament. 
prayer and the sacraments, right? So, each of you is on a journey right now, and you are trying to figure out what the heck is my vocation. Remember that we said your vocation, you have the answer. It's to holiness. Your vocation is to love, right? So I want you to be asking this question in prayer as you leave this series. Okay, Lord, where do my desires that are unique to me, where do those places and spaces in my heart that come alive, where do they meet the needs that are in front of me? Where are you calling me? Lord, how and to whom are you calling me to offer the gift of my life, right? How am I called to offer the gift of love? Remember, we are daughters or sons, and we become sisters or brothers. We always remain daughters and sons. But each of us is called to be united in such a way that we are also, right, spouses, ultimately of Christ, but potentially to marriage for a real person. Or, or and, excuse me, um, mothers and fathers, right? So, ladies and gentlemen, how are you called to bring life into the world? The gift of how you're called to bring life into the world really, really matters. And this includes, and I invite you to realize that you're not coming to college for kicks, right? Like you're doing this because you want to get a degree, you might be getting a job, and if you don't get a job, that's okay. But even right now, you coming to these talks, or you going to mass, or you walking to your classes and talking to your friends, you give life to one another by being who you are and being in relationship to others. Especially if you're open to the spirit, to speak life into a wound, right? Okay, so I'll give you guys a little intro. I want to share some stories about this trip that I just went on because it was kind of crazy and an awesome way. Also extremely difficult, but great, great gifts that I think revealed to me more than I want to share with you as we kind of tie the series together. Why did Jesus talk about man and woman in the gospel? Where did theology of the body even start? It started with this question that they asked him. And they were asking him, like, was it divorce allowed? And Jesus said, because of their hardness of hearts, Moses allowed for divorce. But in the beginning, it was not so. What was it like in the beginning? Remember that we said in the beginning, man and woman created, but they were naked without shame. Right? Meaning they could look upon each other in the gift of their bodies and be free to receive that great gift. And remember, this is not something for use, this is not an object, but this is a person to whom I can offer myself in love and to whom I can receive love from them. This is a gift. When Eve was standing in front of Adam, remember that little role-like thing was standing up here? When Adam's looking at Eve, he sees the Father because he sees Eve as a gift. When Eve is looking at Adam, she sees the Father because she sees Adam as a gift. And any good daddy, what he wants to do is give good gifts to his children. So when Christ is answering this question, what he's trying to bring up is he's bringing up the reality that marriage is supposed to be the greatest sign we have this side of heaven of what God's love looks like. Because if the Father loves the Son, right, and the Son receives the Father, and he offers himself back in love to the Father, and we have the love of the Holy Spirit, that's all one is true. The closest we have, it is not the same, it can never be the same, but the closest we have in terms of an analogy is that when a man loves a woman, he offers himself a gift to the woman, she receives the gift of that love and offers it back, and their love can be so real that nine months later they give it to me, right? Because it's a baby, right? That's the reflection that we're talking about. So God has given to us this gift of marriage, this gift of the sacrament, to show us and invite us even deeper into the reality of his love as the Trinity which is a love that is constant, right? So, um, on this trip that I went on, I don't know if anyone, raise your hand if you've heard of St. Gianna. Anyone heard of St. Gianna? Okay, 
I'm obsessed with St. Fiona. So I've always wanted to go visit where she's from in Magenta, Italy. Um, and I had a friend come to visit me for a whole week, and she's an OGYM. And I was like, perfect. Who better to go with me? A woman who is women's health, and will go to St. Fiona, right? Okay, the problem was is that you can't find anything on the internet, at least I couldn't, that told you like where to go in Magenta to find any of these places. I just knew St. Fiona was a shrine, and that was literally all that I had. So, um, I love to be in control. Just a little FYI. I'm a perfectionist. I love to be in control. I love to have a plan. For Lent, I was praying for the grace to be weaned from the idols of control and understanding. And Jesus was really hearing my prayer and answering it. So, what I had was this reality that I told this other person to fly to Milan, Italy, to travel with me to see St. Gianna. She's like, oh, what are you going to do? I have no idea. Just fly to Milan. I'll meet you there. And they'll just fly back to Rome the next day. She's like, okay. So, so glad she trusted me. So the morning that she's flying to Milan, I'm on a train, and um, somehow, well, I don't think it's part of the story, but I had gotten this email address that supposedly belonged to the daughter of St. Gianna. Okay? Gianna Manuela, the one that she's pregnant with, um, right before she passed away, that she delivered right before her death, right? So, yeah, who am I? And she's like, hey, I'm so excited you want to come see. She calls her her state mother. It's really cute. I'm so excited you want to come see my state mother. Like, can we get you an Airbnb? And like, I'm like, sure. What, can you just like tell me like places that I can go to see your mom's stuff? She's like, no, no, no. My friend's going to come meet y'all at last tomorrow morning. She's going to take you around in her car. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> Thanks. And she's like, she just kept thanking us. So then this random little cute Italian woman picks me up from the airport. Um, and we're in her car, and I thought we were going to die because she like pulls over the interstate and she cracked on her seatbelt, but like hard her still doesn't We're still on the interstate. And I was like, well, Lord, like, if I die, I'm going to say, that's really on you. So I'm not going to worry about it. So anyway, we survived. We're all here. The entire day, y'all, was a day full of miracles. Like every little detail was taken care of. And that very morning, all I could pray was, I was like, Lord, I know that you want me to trust you. I know that you were asking me to like immediately be provided for everything, but this is crazy. Like typically I would have had everything planned out and I would have like scheduled this Airbnb. I'd go to where we're staying in this foreign country. And this is really fun on one side of it, but if I'm standing like on the platform at an air, you know, um, airport, like waiting and I don't know where we're sleeping that night, like my poor friend that's flying from the States, like this isn't gonna get started off on my foot, right? But he took care of every little detail. So not only did I get to see the basilica where she got married, where she got baptized, we got to see her child at home, we got to go to the tomb of Pietro and Gianna. Why am I bringing them up? I'm bringing them up for a reason. St. Gianna is a saint. She was canonized as a saint in 2004, and her husband Pietro passed away in 2010. The church finds it important enough that we canonize lay people and that we canonize married saints because this is a part of the evangelization. Right? We need holy and good marriages to reflect the life of God within the culture. Now realize, am I downplaying the priest of religious life? Absolutely not. Okay? What we can learn from them is that we, first and foremost, every single one of us is called to be a spouse of God. In the sense that the Spirit is He who gives us life and gives it to the full. And that if I don't first go to the Father and have my daughtership be affirmed by the Father, 
and it doesn't matter what man I marry, I'm never going to be happy. Right? But the gift that we're invited to is if we invite the Lord into the marriage, right, then it becomes once again something that reflects the Trinity, because the life of God dwells within it. So, um, I'm going to read to you just like one or two little letters. Look, they're cheesy, and I love them. And if you don't like cheesy, sorry. Um, you're going to get over it really fast. But I'm reading this to you because I want to show you like the gift of, this is what St. John Paul II meant when he was talking about the gifts of theology and body. He wasn't talking about perfection. I'm not asking you to be perfect and you're living out of TV. I'm asking you to try. Right? I'm asking you to do your best to give your all. And when you mess up, to go ask for mercy and try again. Right? To run to the sacraments and to prayer. So this is a letter um, from Pietro to Gianna, and this is what he says. I'm going to skip a few lines and I'm going to read it here. Um, and I saw with new eyes, with new feeling, every created thing, every fact for you and with you, O Gianna. Just one more Saturday and you'll be my wife. Gianna, I want to be the husband you always dreamed of in your most beautiful dreams. The one you desire in your most joyous and holy dreams. A husband worthy of your virtues, your goodness, and your great love. More than ever during these days, and above all during our training, so they decided to pray together the three days leading up to their marriage retreat. They were going to go to Mass those three days leading up in different cities because they were apart in preparation for their marriage. More than ever during these days, and above all during our training, I will pray to Jesus, to our Heavenly Mother, and to my sister whom I feel is in heaven, that they might bless my intentions and be most generous in granting graces to our new family. Gianna, you and I have undertaken our new life with the certainty that God wanted us together. These months have all been a crescendo of understanding and affection. Now we understand each other perfectly, because heaven is our light and the divine law our guide. Because heaven and the divine law find in you the most beautiful virtues and the greatest good, while I have the greatest desire and the immense joy of making you happy always. Now our love is full, because we are one heart and one soul, one feeling and love, because our love, strong and pure, knows how to wait for the blessing of heaven. Dearest Gianna, how many more things I, and maybe you too, wanted to tell each other these past few months, but we did not do so, because we were immediately sure of all that God wanted of us, and we had the certainty of our love for each other, and we let ourselves be guided by our hearts and our love. I will draw near the altar, asking Jesus to supply for my deficiencies, and make me able to make you always, always happy. Gianna, you who are my love, my life, my sweetest Gianna, always wipe out with my failings, my failings with your understanding, your goodness and your love. I press you sweetly to my heart. I lovingly kiss you in your virtues and beauty that remind me of the beauty and goodness of heaven. And looking into your eyes full of light and love, I tell you again, Gianna, see, here's your Pietro. He wants to make you very happy always. Always make him as happy as he is now. With ardent longing and all my love to you, your Pietro. Okay, I'm on some here, I'm gonna get really awesome letters like that, but you never know. The reality, y'all, is that that's not a movie. That was not a movie. That was some Disney classic, okay? It's actually a lot better because it's real. 
He wasn't saying, Gianna, I'm going to be the perfect husband, you're going to be the perfect wife, we're going to live together happily ever after. He was like, we're going to have a beautiful life together because we're waiting on heaven's blessing. Because we've been engaged in our, no, 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 we're not married yet, though, so we've even had to wait in how we've acted and how we've spoken to each other for the proper time. We've waited for heaven's blessing. But we know that God has called us together and that he has confirmed this love, right? And so not only is it a gift of God to each of them, but it's a gift for the world. That in being faithful to their call to marriage to each other, you you can change the world. Do you understand that? Like, change the world. Work miracles. Enter the gift of your marriage. Enter the gift of the children that you can want to have. Right? That's the power of the sacrament of marriage, which is the sacrament of love. Um, one last little part I want to share. I want to just share the girl's side. This is whatever. It's cool. Um, it's like two paragraphs. But... She's writing again. She says, Future dears, you know what I want to see and to know that you are happy. Tell me what I should be and what I should do to make you so. I have great trust in the Lord, and I am certain that He will help me to become your worthy spouse. I often meditate on the words of the epistle of the Mass of St. Anne. A strong woman, who will find her? The heart of her husband can trust in her. She will do only good things for him and never bring evil upon him throughout all of his life. Pietro. I want to be that strong one of the gospel. Instead, I think and feel myself weak. This means that I must lean on your strong arm. I feel so safe, so close to you. I ask you a favor. From now on, Pietro, if you see me doing something wrong, tell me, okay? I will always be grateful to you if you do this. With much, much love, I embrace you and I wish you a holy Easter. Your Gianna. So, true love is real. It is possible. But I wanted to read those letters to you all. There's a whole book of letters. By the way, you can buy it if you want to because that's where I got them. But is that the invitation that we have, no matter what your vocation is, but I just want to give you a book from the call to marriage. Because each of us is coming here and we're coming from broken families. And I just want to tell you, no matter your vocation, you are not your parents. You're not your siblings. You're not the people you have known that have crossed lines or done things that they wish they would have done. Even if you have done things that you wish you hadn't done, nothing is irreversible, right? And the mercy of God, if we offer everything to mercy, there is nothing, right, that he cannot take and transform. I'm so happy that this image is here because that's really the only thing I want to do when I that image. But I'm going to keep talking to you. But I wish I could just have you for an hour instead of listening to me. Look at this, okay? I'm not going to move it. I'm going to break it. But... I just want you to focus on this for a second because the divine mercy image, you know, this is the gift of our vocation. If this is our ship and not our home, then what Jesus is saying, he's saying that I want you to come here. I don't want you to just like walk, like I want you to run just like a little girl or a little boy runs to their father with joy, right? Expecting good gifts. This is how I want you to run to me. Within the heart of divine mercy, you know, every single mood, every stupid thing you've ever done that you wish you would have done, and every stupid thing that was done to you that you did not deserve, within this part of Christ, it is all transformed for good. Scripture says all things work together for good for those that love Him, right? All things work together for good. Not just some things, but all things. So the reason why this talk for me is very interesting is because it doesn't really matter what I say, y'all. It doesn't matter if you read theology of the body and you study the audiences for the next 10 years. It doesn't actually matter if the person that you marry has never heard of theology of the body. That's not a deal breaker, okay? It's not. 
The reality is, do they know the gospel? Do they realize in some way that they are not gods unto themselves and that they need the power of God to love like he loves? Right? That you are a gift to be given and to be received, and that love is a responsible choice. But Jesus literally tells St. Faustina in a diary, he tells her to tell mankind to snuggle up close to his heart. Jesus uses the word snuggle. <laughs> what? <laughs> That's how we know it's real, right? Jesus doesn't put it in my heart. He's just like, snuggle up close. But really, because every single thing that we've experienced, look, it finds hope within his heart. Every single place that I travel in Europe, look, I don't travel around America and I'm like, oh, this is so cool, life is so perfect, everything's so easy. No, I travel in Europe and usually I'm by myself, and sometimes I'm like, Lord, this is a really lovely. And I'm acutely lonely because no one speaks English around me, so what the heck? Like, I need you to provide for me. And that happened a few times on this trip, but one particular time, I was in Milan, Italy, by myself for a few hours, and I'm walking around, and I was like, literally, in my heart of hearts, I'm like, Jesus, I really, really need you right now to show your face to me, because I cannot see you. Like, I'm in the eighth, and I need you to reveal your face. And so I was walking back to the train station, and I'm like, literally wandering. This sounds so, like, cheesy, but this is my life. So, I'm like, walking, literally heard birds chirping, Then I took a right and went to the left because usually we follow the beauty of nature because God speaks to us in every thing, right? In every little thing he speaks to us. And so I'm following this and all of a sudden I'm like, huh, that's a church. Let me just go in. Now, there's a lot of churches in Italy, obviously. Some of them are just museums. It depends. Some of Jesus can you please, I'm like, please, please, please. I need you to be in there. Like, this ain't time for a museum, Lord. I need you to be present within this church, okay? So I walk in and see the sanctuary lamp. So I think I'm just going to go sit in the little view and pray. And there's a bunch of people that are kind of doing a tour. But then I see this pretty painting over here. So I follow the beauty, right? Follow God. I'm just going to see the painting. And then I walk to the next little altar and I see another beautiful painting. And then I walk to the next altar and bam! There's a tabernacle with Jesus and it's the chapel of the Sacred Heart. Y'all. <laughs> okay, you win. Like, great. I'm here. Thank you so much. So, I was like literally crying because I really didn't know that moment. No, I just knelt there, and here's the reality. It doesn't matter what successes I can have in life, y'all. Everything passes away except for the love of God and the love he desires to pour out on you. I invite every single one of you within the next week because we are approaching Divine Mercy Sunday, right? To come to this image, to get it on your phone, to print it out and put it in your room, I don't really care, but to sit before the image of Divine Mercy and to realize that for love of you, Christ literally poured himself out into the world. Right? Blood and water gushing forth. Blood and water gushing forth. He invites you to climb up and to snuggle next to his heart. And he also tells St. Faustina, look, if you don't believe my words, at least believe my wounds. Do you look at Christ and believe the wounds in his hands and his feet and his heart that he loves you? Do you believe that Christ wants to provide for you, especially in the gift of your vocation? So why am I talking about all this? I'm talking about all this because no matter what your vocation is, y'all, you have to deal with your stuff. I'm not saying you need to like sit there and write down a list of everything you've ever experienced in your life that's been difficult. What I'm inviting you to is to sit before the divine mercy image, to sit before the tabernacle and ask Jesus, Jesus, where are those dark spaces in my own heart that maybe no one else knows about, 
that I need you to come into and shed light. Because we can run from them all we want, and we can enter into a vocation with them all we want, but they're not going anywhere. You cannot run away from yourself. And I'm not saying this is a punishment or condemnation. I'm saying this is an invitation. If Christ came that you might have life and have an abundance, he wants you to be able to receive the gift of your vocation in total freedom. Right? In total freedom. Knowing who you are as a son or daughter, and then therefore being able to make a healthy decision about who you offer yourself to, about what vocation you feel called to. They aren't just going through the motions. They're not just deciding to marry someone out of fear, out of default, or out of doubt if the Lord's going to provide for you. But that you're choosing to do that because you know that this is a gift that the Lord desires for you. When I was taking um, courses on the other device several years ago, a woman, I remember her sitting at this table at lunch. I didn't even know her that well. But she just looked at me very seriously. She was like, deal with your stuff now. And I was like, okay. <laughs> but she didn't really know my stuff, but she was just saying, she's like, look, I'm divorced, and I had this happen, and this happened. She was like, but I also know that I wasn't dealing with my stuff before I got married. I was running from it. Right? I was running from it. We don't blame people without condemning them. We're saying, y'all, every single one of us has our stuff. The invitation for you is are you going to run from it, or are you going to ask them to come into it and transform it to make it new? Because this is our ship, not our home. Right? He wants to transform it for you for heaven. And if you get to your vacation, Right? Yes, most of your healing, or I should say most, but a lot of your healing can come through the gift of your vocation. Right? But a lot of your healing can even come before that if you're open to it. Trust me, your vocation may be enough struggle, so might as well deal with the most you can now. Um, another last little story that I'll share with you. So, on Holy Saturday for me, um, I was with my friend for a room. We had a whole day of visiting these different churches. And I'm sharing this image with you because I feel like it's a microcosm of our lives right now sometimes, especially when you're like in your 20s. You just feel the ache and you're just like, Lord, I just want you to show up, you know? But when we're in Good Friday, personally for me, it's kind of hard to live like Good Friday, Holy Saturday, because I know the end of the story, right? So I'm like, I'm heartbroken, but I'm like, you're coming back. <laughs> I know that, so we're good. But what does it say? I was really reflecting on Palm Sunday. It says in the gospel, that Mary and the other Mary, they sit and they look at the rock that covers the tomb, right? They're just staring at a rock, y'all. What the heck? Why would we stare at a rock? They were staring at the rock because they were waiting for it to move. Because even though it was sealed and it shouldn't move, they expected it because they hoped in the promise. And they trusted in the promise that God was going to work a miracle. Okay? A miracle. So, Sharing my story. On Tuesday, when I was at St. Gianna's little town, the woman literally called it the land of St. Gianna. It was really cute. She didn't speak a lot of English, so it was great. But in the land of St. Gianna, there was this school where St. Gianna had celebrated um, in this chapel where she had taught young women. They had celebrated a mass in honor of her engagement to Pietro on April 11, 1955. So this cute little woman's like walking us around and she's like telling us all about this chapel and she's like, April 11, 1955. And she's like, what's today? And then we're like, oh, all three of us realize it's April 11th. She starts jumping up and down, right? Grabs us by the hands and puts us in this chapel. And she's like, come on, Steve, uh, And I'm like, coincidence? She's like, this is not a coincidence. This is not a coincidence. This is a miracle. St. Gianna wanted you here today to let you know she's praying for you in your vocations. Like, she's praying for you. Go. This is crazy.
crazy. I'm like, experiencing this, and I'm like, Lord, what are you doing? This is insane. Like, okay, thanks, Michelle, thanks, Jesus. Like, you are praying. I don't know what's going to mean. Other than God keeps literally saying that you need to expect miracles. Expect miracles, right? I told you all that story when I was sharing my vocation. Like, I said my vocation required a miracle. I'm getting off the interstate. Spray paint on a building was expect miracles, okay? Fast forward to Holy Saturday. I walked around with my friend. I had another dear friend that told me that there was a midnight mass for Easter Vigil. This is my favorite mass in the whole church here because it's just so beautiful. It starts from darkness and moves to light, right? Um, there is no midnight mass in Rome for the Easter Vigil, but I didn't realize that until about 11 15 when I was like, you know, I feel like I should check, even though my friend told me five times there's a midnight mass. Like, is there a mass? So I find out there's not a mass, but not enough time to make an Easter Vigil. Okay, to you, this isn't dramatic. To me, it was really dramatic. Because I'm like, Jesus, you've got to be fucking kidding me. Like, we walked around all day, and we had this really intense week. We got dressed up for you. Like, we're trying to do something really good and awesome with you. Like, why would you not want us to make the Easter Vigil? And not to be dramatic, but I was a little heartbreaking. Because I was like, Lord, like, I don't want to be stuck in Holy Saturday. Like, I want to celebrate the resurrection. But y'all... Like, even if it was just for this moment, it was worth it to be like, I know that sometimes you feel like you're stuck in Holy Saturday. Like you've lost something or something has happened to you and you're hurting. Maybe you feel in darkness or despair. Does anyone hear me on this? Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And you're like, what the heck, Lord? Wait for the resurrection, but I feel like it's not coming. Lord, why won't you come? Would you please come? So, um... For the next hour, we were like trying to search desperately for a church. A few times, don't really post things on the internet accurately, so that was a little bit impossible. Um, whatever. So, the next morning, my friend had to leave, right, to fly back to the States. So, I'm feeling bad because I'm like, she doesn't get to go to Easter Mass in Rome. I'm like, Jesus, you really need to fix this. So, we went to this Mass that we thought was going to be at 7 a.m., okay? We go to this church, the doors are locked, to which I'm like, what a surprise. The doors are locked and there's a mask. So many other things that there was. But then, literally, we're turning around to leave, like, it was totally destroyed. We're, like, turning around, and then we hear someone unlocking the door from the inside. And the priest is unlocking the door from the inside. No, there was a mask at 7 o'clock, but there was a mask at 8.30. So, she has to leave to catch her flight. She's wonderful and decided, Lord, you just have to figure this out, so she's staying for the mask. We walk in, have the church to ourselves for, like, an hour. But it was the only altar in all of Rome where Our Lady appeared, like it's an approved Marian apparition in Rome, where a man literally had a conversion because his friend challenged him to wear the miraculous medal. He did it because he wanted to show him that it didn't work, and then Our Lady appeared to him, and he converted on the spot. Okay? It's also the place where St. Maximus will be celebrating his first mass. So dare I say, a lot of miracles happen in the spot, and then we keep walking to this sign, and it's literally called like above an Italian. Here is the place that appeared our Lady of the Miracle. And I was like, oh, you win again. Like, yes, okay. That literally, y'all, I know it sounds crazy, but God works in everything. All things work together for good. Saturday's like, oh my gosh, I'm heartbroken for it. Didn't move on Holy Saturday. I wanted to go to the Easter Vigil. Being sassy pants over here, like, why did you do it my way? And the Lord is like, could you just wait? Like, I want to give to you the promise of the Father. I want to give to you this great gift. And to me, y'all, I feel like I'm just going to share it with you. It might not mean anything right now. But the gift is this. He literally wants to work miracles in your lives. 
It is not a question of if he does, he does, right? He wants you to receive that great gift. So right now, at this time for most of you, which involves waiting, I want to invite you to this. This is my challenge for you. Y'all, your life right now is echoing and mimicking you just did last week, which involves the passion and death and resurrection. You are going to experience sufferings just like Christ in the Garden of Gethsemane, where you're like, Lord, if you be willing, let this cup pass for me. But not your will, but my, like, not my will, excuse me, but your will be done. You will be praying that in relationships sometimes, especially if you have to let them go. Right? Y'all, that's really, 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 really difficult. I get that with you. I feel it. Sometimes we have to let go, though, of what we perceive or gifts that we desire because they are good gifts, but they are not the best gift that the Lord desires for us. If he has promised to work miracles in your life, what he's inviting you to, and I don't know this because I'm flipping living right now, y'all, is he's inviting you to let go of control of your life and to surrender your will to his. Really pray with him. Not my will, but your will be done, right? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If the Lord desires you to be a saint, which he does, and he desire, you desire to be a saint, right? I think most of you do. Right? But he wants to give that to you. He's going to give it to you, not apart from, but in and through the gift of your vocation. And if you have not taken vows yet, then your vocation right now is to the present moment and to holiness in the present moment. And that is what's preparing you to receive the gift of your vocation. So I'm really sorry this is something like, like skipping apart everything's wonderful, life's going to be perfect talk. But I just want to offer you the reality that that is not what the your body is saying. The Algae body, aka the gospel, is saying that times you will have to die on the inside so that God can resurrect and give you new life. But usually on the other side, right when we're home, we look back and we realize that, oh, that's actually exactly what I wanted and more than I could ever hoped for. Right? You are within the Easter season. It is longer than Lent, intentionally. You are approaching divine mercy, this feast where we celebrate by pouring out his love for you, intentionally. You are approaching and preparing for the gift of your vocations, I hope, intentionally. This is not wasted time. This is not wasted time. God wants to work miracles in your life. Do you trust him enough? And if you don't, that's okay, but ask him to give you that grace. And the last little prayer I want to share with you is something that um, I heard in a talk probably like seven years ago. I don't know, it's one of my favorite prayer of mine. You approach the Lord, just like right here, and you say, Jesus, my heart is yours, I give it to you. And it's yours to keep, and it's yours to give away. So what that means is if it's truly his, if it's his to have, it's his to give away. If he's calling you to be a priest or a religious sister, he's going to hold on to that heart real tight, and you're going to know that. And you're going to call to him and him alone in a certain way that reveals to us the gift of heaven. Right? Who we're all called to one day in heaven. If you were called to marriage, then I pray to God that in some way, someone who at least knows the existence of God and realizes the gift that you are, that they have gone to Him to receive the gift of your heart. And He can give it to them as a gift to which it can be entrusted. Does this make sense? Lord, I give you my heart. My heart is yours to keep and it's yours to give away. The Lord will only give it to Him or to her to whom it is worthy of being entrusted. But you have to keep giving your heart back to Him. And you also have to keep giving the heart of those you love, especially if you're in a relationship with this other person. You have to keep giving that person's heart back to Jesus as well. Right? Because what you ultimately desire for you and for this other person is their happiness and holiness. 
whether they're called a year spouse or not, and especially if they're called a year spouse, right? Okay, so a lot of sharing. That's really what I wanted to cap off with this year. Like theology of the body is an invitation to live this struggle, to live a time spent beat up. Right? And at times feel like you're stuck in Holy Saturday and what all we want to do is celebrate the resurrection and you've got to be kidding me. Right? But he's like, no, the resurrection is coming. It's coming. He tells them with Pentecost, wait in Jerusalem for the promise of the Father. Ladies and gentlemen, I beg of you to wait for the promise of the Father. But the way that you will know his voice is if you run to him now and you learn how to listen to him. Okay? It's a struggle. It's a battle. Our battle is not flesh and blood, and it's worth it. We already know who has the victory. And if your vocation is the way that you're supposed to get to heaven, then that is the last thing that Jesus can let you screw up. Do you hear me? You're not going to mess it up. I'm talking to myself, y'all. But it's already here. Like, you are not going to mess it up. You can't. You just can't. We're not big enough. We're not strong enough to do that. We're truly seeking his will. So to find your vocation, forget it. Whatever Sarah said, doesn't really matter. Whatever Jesus said through me that gives you peace, you follow the peace and you run to him here. And you put all of your wounds and all of your mess and all of your anxieties and all of your confusion right here in the merciful heart of heart of Jesus Christ. Because he will cover everything in that merciful heart and transform it. Anything that's not of him, he will burn away. And anything that is, he will make even more refined. Okay? So, I'm going to read a scripture verse. Then we do a prayer and then we'll time for questions and answers. It shouldn't have any. This is from Sirach 2. It's a little long, but you get the point. My son, if you come forward to serve the Lord, remain in justice and in fear, and prepare yourself for temptation and trial. Set your heart right and be steadfast. Incline your ear and receive words of understanding, and do not be hasty in time of calamity. Await God's patience. Cling to him and do not depart, that you may be wise in all of your ways. Accept whatever is brought upon you, and endure it in sorrow. In changes that humble you, be patient. For gold and silver are tested in the fire, and acceptable men in the furnace of humiliation. Trust in God, and he will help you. Hope in him, and he will make your ways straight. Stay in fear of him, and grow old in him. You who fear the Lord, wait for his mercy, and turn not aside, lest you fall. You who fear the Lord, trust in him, and your reward will not fail. You who fear the Lord, hope for good things, for everlasting joy and mercy. You who fear the Lord, love him, and your hearts will be made radiant. Consider the ancient generations and see whoever trusted in the Lord and was put to shame, or whoever persevered in his commandments and was forsaken, or whoever called upon him and was overlooked. For the Lord is compassionate and merciful. He forgives sins and saves in time of affliction, and he is the shield of all who seek him in truth. That's from Stratitude. We can it later. Um, the last two little verses to sum up our lovely time would be especially on this journey. It's from Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. And it says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and rely not on your own understanding or intellect or insight or intelligence. Okay? It's not about you. Understanding it. 
In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. And the last one, the seed of all of this I would offer you, is this. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Now, take delight in the Lord. If you seek first his kingdom, right, everything else is going to come to you. I promise you, I bet my life on it, right? If you take delight in him first, he transforms you so much from the inside out, right here in this safe space where you can snuggle up to him, right? That you are able then to receive the desires of your heart in the best and most perfect form you ever could. And then you keep journeying forward, and then we'll get to celebrate big time in heaven, right? We go home. So if you don't mind, we're going to leave it here. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Father, we just praise and thank you for the gift of this time. Thank you, Lord, for getting to this whole series. Lord, we ask that you would help us to see um, not around us all the confusion and the craziness um, or just the struggle, but Lord, also to receive your spirit to have hope in the resurrection. Lord, I ask for the grace that all of us here or those who hear this talk, if they're struggling with addiction, that they might um, be open to receiving the help that they need, not just through prayer, but also through tangible, um, tangible means such as counseling, whatever they need. Lord, I ask that all those who are here or listening, that they would have the courage to approach you and to approach your throne of grace, confident in the love and the mercy that you have for them as their Father. Lord, we promise that you desire to give to us every good gift. I pray that each of us might experience within our vocations a new Pentecost, where we realize that within us our hearts are burning because our hearts burn and come alive with the love that you have for us first and foremost. That you would teach us how to love ourselves so that we might better offer the gift of ourselves to others and receive the gifts of those who have entrusted to us. And Mother Mary, you who are the spouse of the Spirit, who are the mother of Jesus to be talking how to pray, I just entrust to you and consecrate to your heart all of us and our intentions, our families, our vocations, our desires. I ask Mother Mary that you, through your prayers, would untie the knots of our hearts and our minds and our memories especially. That through your prayers we might receive the healing of God the Father, that we might be ever made new to receive with hope the gift, especially of our vocations, and to live even more fully the vocation to the present moment. As we say, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou, my son, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us.